0: Hey, this is the last chapter, friends. Is anyone as excited as me? (laughs) I don't think so. But that said, let's see what we see today. Chapter, lucky chapter number 13. Hmm, interesting. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, But open up your word, okay? Uh, We're going to read some of it today. You can always open this up later yourself and dive deeper. Oh, it's deeper than deep. I can only share a little bit with thee. Okay, chapter (laughs) 1. I'm getting ahead of myself or behind. We're going to book in this whole thing, okay? Chapter 1. Do you remember what happened all the way back when we began this journey? Where was Nehemiah? He was in the capital of the known world serving the greatest king of Persia. What was his name? Artaxerxes. Chapter 1. There he was in Susa, right? He heard that things weren't going well in Jerusalem. And so what did he do? He, what did he do first? Do you remember? Pray. And prayed and prayed and prayed. A man after God's own heart, he prayed And months and months and months. I don't want to spend too much time here. You've already heard all of this. But what was his role there in Susa, in the sight of the king? Do you remember what he did, what his job was? A very important one. He was the cup bearer. Remember, he tested the poison. That's that's an important job, right? You don't trust anyone with that job. But then what happened? Nehemiah, after all that prayer... He maybe didn't even think that he was going to be the one to go there, but he was, right? God used him, and he went down to Jerusalem. Remember that? The capital of the real king of kings. And he served there, and what role did he do there? Was he just testing poison for the king? No, much, much more there, right? That's been the whole series. Nehemiah. Man, he got along, didn't he? Mm. He was there for how many years? Twelve. That's a long time to pick up a different role, isn't it? Have you ever done acting before? What's that called? Is it method acting? I don't know the name, where you just take on the persona of the character completely, and uh, sometimes you lose yourself in it. Twelve years. I'm getting behind myself. Chapter 13, what's going on there? Verses 1 through 3. Oh, here, this is your outline. There you go. Look, there it is, nice and easy for you to see. Here we go, for me too, so I can keep up. Verses 1 through th- 3, Nehemiah is in, where does he start this time? In Jerusalem. Woo, he's in the kingdom of God. The first three verses are when he is there. Verses 4 through 7, Nehemiah makes like a tree and leaves. That's run Back to the Future. Anyway, uh, and then v- the verses beyond that, 6 and plus. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped ahead again. He goes back to Susa. Guess how long he spends there. Just guess. How many years? Twelve years, huh? That's curious. Maybe it's just luck. Or coincidence then he comes back Nehemiah strikes back you'll see he comes back again and sees how everything is going all right we'll stop there it's too much verses 1 through 3 Nehemiah in Jerusalem we're gonna read this one I'm gonna read some more too but let's read this one like we usually do okay The word of the Lord. On that day, remember, he's still in town. They read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. For they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God, that's another sermon, turned the curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. Now remember, here we go, Nehemiah prays and prays and prays some more, and at the right moment, he gets the king of Persia to reverse a decision, and he sends Nehemiah the cupbearer down to Jerusalem to rebuild what? The defensive fortification. Fortifications, almost said a dirty word, fortifications of the city, a conquered city. He, the king of Persia changed his mind. How does that happen? He, Nehemiah, overcame a century of defeat. Nobody else was able to do it. And he did it in how many days? Do you remember? 52. In fact, archaeologists used to think, hey, maybe this isn't True. And they went down there, and they looked, and guess what? It is true. They found a section of the wall that was built in a hurry. And they said, hey, maybe that guy Nehemiah is real. Anyway, Nehemiah overcame the three evil musketeers. Remember those guys? Sanballat, Geshem, Tobiah. They first tried to attack him with physical weapons? Nope. They wrote letters to his superiors? Nope. They tried to rally those with deep ties who'd been around for a long time in the covenant community in a whispering campaign. Wa, wah, 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 wah. They were felled with one little word, liars. Nehemiah did it, right, by rallying the people of God, reminding them of their identity, who they are, and more importantly, who they really belong to. Not the king of Persia. The king of the universe. We just sang it, didn't we? And then, he did a superhero move. He handed power off to others trusted and true. Right? So that the people would not see him as a king. They would hear the word of God. They would confess their lostness they would get on the same page thank you Michael in covenant faithfulness and then express their joy in wholehearted worship verses 1 through 3 remind us where we left off Ezra remember he handed it off Ezra read the law for hours upon hours and verse 3 right there as soon as they heard it they did it they didn't even have to ask them. they read the word and they did it James 1 22. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Woo, hotter than hot, right? They're in good shape. Talk about it. Read the reform commentaries. Revival had broken out. Nehemiah has been there for how many years? Twelve, that's a good number, twelve years. It's time for him to get back to his day job in Susa, Right? He's only so long that, that that earthly king will let him stay away, so Nehemiah leaves Jerusalem. What a sad day. What happens next? Mm. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, when there is no leader, Listen, Yahweh's the leader, right? But Nehemiah, come on, read the story. God was working through that guy. And when he stepped away, ooh, you know what happened? Compromise. Compromise, is that a good word or a bad word? Hey, it could be either way, right? I looked it up, just Google it. Here's two definitions for it. It's a good word, right? Settle a dispute, by mutual concession, in, we do this with Ezra. We're going to use it in a sentence. In the end, we compromised and deferred the issue. We kicked the can down the road. We compromised. That's okay sometimes. Man, don't be a, you know, a bad word. <laughs> What's how can how can compromise be a bad word? X. This is literally the same word, same definition. Two down. Accept standards that are lower than desirable. Is it okay to compromise standards sometimes? Maybe. Maybe, but not all the time. Here's an example in a sentence. We were not prepared to compromise on safety. Some quotes for you. This guy, I don't even know him, but he said it right. Gary Ackerman. You can compromise between good, better, and best. Hey, good, better, and best. Let's compromise. And you can compromise between bad and worse and terrible. Hey, there's not a lot of good choices here. Let's compromise. But you can't compromise between good and evil. No. In fact, as a guy named C.S. Lewis in one of my favorite books, they're all my favorite, The Screwtape Letters, said this, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope soft underfoot, without sudden turns, without milestones, without signposts, your affectionate uncle, screw tape. That's a demon telling other demons how to what? Bring people down into hell. Slow compromise. We're going to read these verses because, hey, but we've read them again or before. (laughs) Way back when we were talking about Tobiah, and here it is. You remember it foreshadowed? Here it is. Now, this is when Nehemiah left. Here's what happens. Eliashib, remember that guy? The high priest. He was appointed over the chambers of the house of God and he's related to Tobiah, the bad guy. He, in Nehemiah's absence, the high priest, hears from that businessman, Tobiah, and he prepares for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put... Grain offerings, frankincense, vessels, tithes, wine, oil, which were given by law, commandment to who? The Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers. Remember wholehearted worship? Everyone started giving and providing for everybody? Ooh, wait a minute. Let's use one of those storehouses for business instead. Nehemiah points it out. Hey, while this was taking place, verse 6, I was not in Jerusalem because I had to go back to the king. And after some time, maybe he got word, I asked to leave the king again. you got to be gentle with those Persian kings, guys. They'll cut off your heads. So he came down to Jerusalem, and I discovered the evil. I discovered the evil that the high priest Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. In other words, what happened was that Tobiah, slick businessman that he is, persuaded Eliashib, the high priest, to lease the storerooms of the temple to him so that he could conduct business in the newly constructed temple probably a lot cheaper. That's a good compromise, right? Tobiah is a powerful man. He's related to the high priest. He knows all the names and faces. The community ties run deep. So we should compromise and keep the peace. Right? Hmm. Peace at all costs. Don't worry, 12 years later. Fast forward. Nehemiah strikes back. Verse 8. Nehemiah says, I was very angry. Would you be angry after all that you did? I threw out the household furniture of Tobiah. He has his house... Tobiah is there so much in the temple of God, He set up chairs and couches. He's laid back on a beanbag chair. And I gave orders. So first, get that stuff out of here. Woo, he's angry. Can you feel it? Can you feel the heat? They cleanse the chambers. I brought back the vessels of the house of God and the grain offering and the frankincense. Hmm. The other verses are similar. We're not going to read every single one today, okay? But here's basically what's going on. Nehemiah, like over and over and over in the Bible, who is being confronted, a false god. And in this case, it is the false god of mammon. Have you ever heard that guy's name? It's money, right? Give him a name. It's greed. It's business. One... That is not that far away from all of us. It's just one holiday away. I saw a commercial just the other day. I try not to watch those things. I cover my ears. But it said, I just saw this picture. It said, Christmas, 50% off. Let that sink in for a second. Christ is 50% off. Right? The celebration of Christ. Anyway. Nehemiah is angry that the temple, the worship of God, is being treated like a business, that the Levites are being neglected and not financially supported, that the Sabbath has been completely abandoned for the sake of commerce. We've seen that happen in our own time, some of us. Mixed marriages, listen, go back and listen to the series a long while ago. The issue isn't mixed marriage, it's financial bindings does that make sense if you know how old marriages work it's a money deal listen to nehemiah's response he's striking back right he gets there and i'm going to read out of some of this it's all there if you're looking in the bible you can highlight it in red he he was angry here we go this is all over the place but here are the key words i copied this from a commentary i threw out I gave orders. I rebuked. I called them together. I put in charge. I warned. I ordered. I stationed. I warned. I commanded. I rebuked. I called down curses on them. I beat some of them. I pulled out their hair. I made them take an oath. I drove them away. I purified the priest and the Levite. That's hotter than hot. Is that righteous indignation? Or did he lose it? Listen, Jesus does something very similar, right? In the temple courts, he flips over the tables like Teresa Judice. That was righteous anger. He's Yeshua, right? He can't sin. Is this the same thing, my friend? Is it? Listen, does this sound like Nehemiah? the one that we started with or has he changed what about this other refrain that's in the scriptures if we read it close remember me O God is the refrain in this chapter that Nehemiah says remember me O God concerning this and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service Remember what I did. These people messed it up. That was verse 14. Verse 22. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Verse 31. The very last verse. It's always important, that last one. Remember who? Me, O God, for my good. Hey, what does that sound like to you? I tried... I tried. Oh, God, did I try with these people. I left just for a second and I tried. Remember Nehemiah from chapter 1? He's always saying, remember him? Let's remember him. Let's remember how he was in chapter 1. How did he start back then when he saw things were not right? What did he do? He got down on his knees and... Prayed, prayed, prayed in what? Humility. Remember that, Nehemiah? We remember you, Nehemiah. What happened to you? Where did that guy go? When you heard about Jerusalem in chapter 1, what did he do? Chapter 1, verse 4. As soon as I heard these words that Jerusalem was messed up, worse than worse, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. Where did that guy go? I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Three to five months of prayer before he did anything. Before he even spoke a word. Patience and humility. We remember, Nehemiah. God remembers who you were too. This time, what did he do? Did he sit down and weep? Or did he clean house? with force what's the difference this time what happened it's in the text you read the word (sighs) this time it's Nehemiah's kingdom that's messed up right the first time somebody else had messed up and he heard about it and said that's not right and he was humble because he was a cupbearer to the king just testing poison he could have died at any moment he didn't think he was going to be the one sent down there humility and God raised him up as a leader you see but this time what happened it was his work that had been ruined he's angry because everything that he did fell apart things fall apart in chapter one Nehemiah moves from Susa from Persia No offense, musicians, from Persia all the way to Jerusalem. And he stays there for 12 years. Reverse it. You guys hear the story? You hear the song that God has laid out for us? Reverse it. He moves from Jerusalem in chapter 13 back to Susa. Heart change, repent, turn back and forth. Hey, by the way, who wanders to and fro? That's another story. Then after 12 years, he comes back just to check, hey, how's everything doing over here? I've had to be a cupbearer again for 12 more years, and I remember the good old days. Who remembers the good old days, right? little story about Jack and Diane. <laughs> Some of you all know that one. Remember the good old days? You can remember them, but don't get lost. So he goes back to check on how the good old days were going back when the church was thousands of people strong and things have gone wrong. Here's the thing, friends. Our time is almost at an end. He seems like Jesus, doesn't he, Nehemiah? Hey, a lot of the commentators say he was right in what he did. Righteous angers, but here's the truth. Nehemiah is not Jesus. No one, excuse me, get a little heated sometimes, is Jesus but Jesus. No one, no matter how great. Moses struck the rock, and he didn't get to see the promised land because of it. Nehemiah does it here. Friends, so have I. So have you. Man fails over and over and over again, even with the best of starts. Eventually we judge cycle back because of power and authority and mammon, false gods that are that our hearts are constantly producing, like Calvin said, an idol factory. This sermon's called Reform. It's a little misleading, right? And we'll just go to the title slide. The real reform is not these last-minute reforms that Nehemiah is doing. Some people will tell you that. Look, he's doing reforms. Reformation. Simper reformanda. Always reforming. Right? No. It's to point us to the true, true, the truth. That the real, true reform is heart change. Soul change change. Nehemiah, he was on the right track. 12 years slowly and steadily building community and pointing people to Yahweh. Nehemiah, he was on the right track, stepping down from power, encouraging others, being patient, patient, patient. Oh, it's hard to be patient with people that don't get it, Nehemiah, I know. Patient, patient, patient. Patient, right? He thought, did he not say in his mind when he left, it is finished. Those weren't his words to say. He returned and checked on things. And guess what? This time he had no time. So he had to force it. I don't have time this time. I don't have another 12 years The king is going to pull me back or cut off my head. So I've got to fix. I have to fix everything real fast. And so what did he do? I'm going to enforce the laws, the laws of the Old Testament. That's right. Is it not? They're right. They're good laws, right? I'm going to force them and change their hearts by force. Guess how that went? Do you think that took any better than the first time? No, it went much worse. In fact, if you read the word of God, guess what God said back? Nothing for 400 years. This is the last historical book Malachi preached during this time. It's over. 400 years of silence. Does silence say something? Someone doesn't say something back? think it does in Nehemiah's day and in ours too this is not just a story way back when that's not relevant for me and you you cannot force a nation of people through external laws hoping that it will change their hearts that's the gospel right you've heard it before I saw a sign the other day. It is the state law. Did you know this? It's a state law to stop for people at crosswalks. And there's signs everywhere. You better stop. It's a state law. Friends, why in heaven above do we need a law that says don't run over people? What? What? Why is there has to be a law on the books that judicially went through all the processes to become a law and the politicians probably debated it while we were paying them? Ooh, I'm going to get hot. Hold on. Shouldn't we just know don't run over people in your car? Take your foot off the gas and keep an eye out? I'm an old man now. I yell at people in the neighborhood who go too fast. We shouldn't. We should know that, right? Putting up a cute little sign, though, is not going to change people's hearts, is it? That said, sometimes, man, we have to try something when people are running over others with their cars. Here's the point. We cannot change our heart ourselves. We need a power outside of us. We cannot change those near to us and dear to us with Force, as wrong as we and others may be as angry as injustice makes us we need an inside out great movie an inside out change for us an inside out change for our nation an inside out change for the whole human family we need the promised one the Messiah Yeshua we need to look at the cross And that alone, see God's true nature revealed finally like never before. It's not forceful laws that, oh man, dad, do I have to do that, mom? Okay, hopefully that will make me into a person that God approves. Listen, dad loves you already. He already approves of every last one of us. Silly, silly children. Praise the God of heaven and earth that our true older brother Yeshua came for all of us prodigal sons and daughters every last one so that we could stop wandering in our hearts and come home. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven help Let's not be built up with pride. When your spirit, which we have, if we've confessed Jesus as Lord, we know that we're in the door, but when that wind fills us, when we produce fruit, oh God, oh God, oh God, help us to remember you and not forget in our pride that all of this that we have, everything inside and out, comes from you. With no doubt, help keep us faithful and true and submit only to you. Amen and amen.